We thank God for the way he is working in our lives. We have questions from time to time that hit us about our world. We have questions that will happen in our own lives. And sometimes we have more questions than we have answers. But God knows what he's doing. God knows what is going on. God is not overwhelmed. God is not surprised. And today he knows where you are. And he knows what's going on in your life as a person. And I thank God for that and the wonderful privilege of being able to be acquainted with what God is about in our lives. Alan Emery was in the wool business, and being in the wool business, he wanted to go learn a little bit more about the front end of that whole business. So he went to Texas, where he was able to join up with a rancher who had a massive, massive ranch where he raised all kinds of sheep. And so he spent the afternoon, the afternoon turned to evening, now it's going into the night. The rancher built a fire there so they could keep warm as the night grew a little cool. The dogs were around and the sheep were out about. And as the night grew real black and real dark, real cool, they heard howl of a coyote and then they heard more howls in the distance of the coyotes. The sheep got up and began to bleat pitifully. The dogs looked out into the night and they began to growl. What would the shepherd do? What would you do? Keep that story in your mind and if I remember, I'll come back to it when we get to the end. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 talks to us about a lot of people that are people just like you, just like me. The thing about these people is this, their lives are transparent and as if they are played out on a, a video right before us and we can see their lives. Some of them have gone through things that have been described for us. They have been persecuted, they have been tortured, they have been tormented for their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about wearing a mask, that does not count. I'm talking about people that the scripture says were cut in two because they believed the faith and proclaimed the truth. Those kinds of people, and there are many of them listed for us. And as the scripture talks to us, it likens our life to running a race. And when it uses this word race, when we get into chapter 12, it uses the word nephos, which is a Greek word, which means agony. And uh, nephos, I'm getting to mix up, argona means agony. And then the cloud equals nephos. And so it says we've got this great cloud. Now, the cloud can be one person or many, many, many people. And in this case, the scripture says that it is many people who are surrounding us. Many people who have lived their life successfully for Christ, and they have, they have walked with Christ, they have walked for Christ, and they have run this life with excellence. And they are examples for us. And so what the admonition is for the scripture today is that we would accept the four invitations that are given to us by the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 that would cause us to live a victorious life even when our life seems very, very unfortunate and even downright bad sometimes. First thing he says is remember the crowd. Remember that crowd that has gone before you. Remember those who have had grandparents and aunts and uncles or maybe someone that took you to church. They were a great example of the faith. Remember them. 
They are people who have lived in victory. It was not easy, but they have lived in victory. And today they are in the presence of God and with Him forever. I've known of people who have gone to church and they have had a spouse that made fun of them, discouraged them, did not want them to go to church. But yet they went on to church and they, they accepted Christ. They understood the claims of Christ. They received the claims of Christ. And in doing that, they went ahead and ran their race, considering the others that were around them, sitting there in church praying for them and encouraging them. And I've met up with people whose parents didn't go to church, and they were young people. Some of them I took to church myself because I wanted them to be able to be exposed to the gospel of Christ. And one of them said to me one time, he said, I never would have seen this if you hadn't invited me to this. Another one said, I finally get to understand about Jesus because you took time to invite me to go to church. There's a great cloud of witnesses. And for someone today, you are a cloud. Have you thought of that? You are a cloud of witnesses to them. You as an individual, you as your family, you're a cloud of witnesses to them. And the admonition is to remember the cloud. Now, sometimes in our life, we think we're the only one. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 10 and 14, Elijah thought he was the only one who was following God. He thought nobody else was following God. But he came to realize that God opened up his spiritual eyes and he began to understand there were thousands and thousands and thousands of others who were following after God. If you'll allow yourself, you'll get discouraged and think you're the only one that's following God. But if you'll take a moment just to look around this congregation today, go ahead, look around this congregation today. There's several hundred people sitting in this service and we had some in the first service and they're able to look around over in Lehighton and over in Palmerton right now. And let me tell you something, we are looking around and we are seeing a great cloud of witnesses, men and women who are not giving up, men and women who have been tried and tested and they're not giving in in their faith. Things have been thrown at them, things have come against them, but they're not giving up. They're not shutting out Christ, they're looking to Christ and they're finding him to be the answer. When Don Piper visited us, he told the story how he left a pastor's convention and he drove on the main road leaving that area and came to a bridge and there had an accident. And you remember the story. They covered his car with tarp because they thought and believed him to be dead. And one of the pastors that had been at the conference came walking up to the scene because the traffic was backed and gnarled and stopped. And he came walking up and said to one of the officers, is there anybody I could pray for? And he said, well, you don't need to go to that car because that person's already dead. He felt a nudge, the pastor did, in his heart to go over and talk and pray and sing anyway. He did, lifted up the tarp, went into the back seat, and he began to sing the songs of the faith. And before very long, Don began to sing with him. Don had been in that car for 90 minutes. And he had an out-of-body experience. Everybody that dies doesn't have this experience like he did. But he had this out-of-body experience. And he said, whenever I was getting just ready to go into heaven, he said, the people that were there to greet me were the people who had helped me in the faith. The little old lady who used to come by for us and the Sunday school teachers and the people that encouraged me in the faith. They are the people who were there to greet me. I want to ask you a question. Who's gonna greet you when you get to heaven? They're in that great cloud of witnesses. And then I want to ask you another question. Who are you going to greet? You are the cloud of witness for them. This is absolutely powerful when you think about what's going on in these verses. Don't blow past them. Don't miss them. It's got something to say to us that is very important to understand. Second thing is listen to the coach. The coach says in verse 1, look at this. Take off everything that hinders you. 
In a physical race so that they were running, they would literally run with no clothes on or very, very little clothing on in the race, trying to eliminate anything that would create wind resistance. We get rid of our baggy hoodie or our sweatpants at a baggy or something like that. In our spiritual race, we do the same thing. If you're ready for me to meddle just a little bit, say yes. yes. If you're ready for me to meddle with you, say yes. yes. Some of us need to watch our attitudes. They stink. Nobody wants our Jesus because our attitude absolutely stinks. Some of us need to watch the way we're talking because our conversation absolutely is so that it doesn't inspire faith. It doesn't inspire life. It doesn't inspire hope. It doesn't cause anybody to want our Jesus. Some of us need to change our attitude. Every time we're around other people, they just live on eggshells thinking that we're going to blow up and we're going to go off on them. We're going to do something. Some of us need to change. We need to get rid of that thing that is besetting us. We need to get rid of that thing that is hindering us. He gets really personal here. He says, throw off the besetting sin. Throw off the besetting sin. Some addiction that you have. Throw off the besetting sin. Some of us are addicted to food. And we need to watch out. The battle of the bulge is real. I know. I fight it. But it's fun to beat it. And to be able to have better health. And to go to the doctor and they say, we don't have to put any more medicine on you. Just happened last week with a cardiologist. I was very glad to leave the office with no more medicine. I like that when that happens. Some of us have besetting sin. We, we may need to turn off the screens. We may need to turn off some things. We may need to go to work a different way. We may need to move to a different office. We, we may need to start thinking different thoughts. We may need to listen to different music. We may need to watch some different kinds of movies. Oh, yeah, this is good, Kev. Don't stop, baby. Keep going. Oh, can I get a witness in your house? That's good stuff. Because this is where we live between Sundays. This is where we live when the struggle gets real, right? And some of us have all these kind of battles that we're dealing with, and we don't know how to deal with some things, money and other stuff like that. Henry Blackaby writes this in his devotional, and I found it helpful. He said, we free ourselves from sin's bondage only if we recognize it for what it is. If we call sin a mistake, a habit, a weakness, we will never escape the grip of whatever it is. And this much I know. Some of you sitting here have gone through all kinds of crud. Some of you have gone through all kinds of situation. When Maureen testified in the first service, she shared back in April that she had been diagnosed with a particular type of cancer that was very rough. Farrah Fawcett had died from the same thing just a few years back. It's something that could take you out. It's something that could knock you off. But she faced this, and she had her friends in a Bible study group around her neighborhood. They kept funneling in hope-filled Bible verses. And she had the church praying for her. She said she could feel the church lifting her in prayer. And we were lifting her up and praying for her and believing for God to help her. And we continued to pray for her. And she continued to go through the treatments of, of radiation and chemo and all the stuff. And she was very sore. And there were nights she could not pray for herself, really. But other people were lifting her up in prayer. And other people showing kindness, bringing in food and doing stuff like that. And she went over to her test this week. And when she went over to get her test this week, they began the test and said, there's no need to keep going. You don't have a problem. That's awesome when that happens. I love that when that happens. And I thank God for that when that happens. And I'll tell you something else we do as a congregation. God works in different ways. Sometimes he takes us home. Sometimes he lets us stay. Pastor Scott, come join me up here, please. You joined with us in praying for Pastor Scott after we 
we were praying for him. We knew he was sick. He had COVID, and Joy had COVID, and they weren't doing. She, he was not doing well. I just say it like it is. And we started going to warfare because we started saying, "Come on." We're hearing about people passing. We're hearing about people's lungs being destroyed. We're not interested in this happening to him. And we started praying, God, not now, not him, not this. Pastor, tell us just a little bit about the journey you experienced. It was several weeks. And I know you hit a low point there where we were starting to say, hey, God, Mm -hmm. what are you up to? The microphone's yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was going into the third week. And um, this was not the most dramatic case of covid but it was to me. And uh, going into the third week and and not seeing any progress, a fever that wouldn't go along with other things, uh, it was just enough to scare us. Before we tasted the healing, we tasted fear. And um, it was just enough for Joy to look across the room at her always um, physically well husband and say, don't leave me. And I thought, how ridiculous is this that I've pastored for 50 years and have prayed for hundreds of people and, in fact, love it when you say, would you pray for me? How ridiculous is this that I would not call Pastor Kevin and say, Pastor Kevin, please pray for me and get as many people praying as you could. And that's what you all did. That night at 3, well, within the hour, as soon as I contacted him, Within the hour, I felt like hands were, were lifting up my body. I could feel yeah, it. I could feel it. And um, that night at 3.30, my fever broke, and I knew it wasn't coming back. And what I didn't know was that in another room, God was doing an angel visitation with joy. And for an hour, she was singing praise songs to God that she doesn't even know what they are. But uh, she woke up the next morning, and we knew on December 19th we were on the other side of COVID. Thanks for your prayers. Thank the Lord. And across this congregation, because I know a lot of stories, a lot of you, and I love every one of you. There are marriages that have been put back together. There's healing that's come whenever a marriage didn't get put back together. Some of you have had broken relationships with family and friends, and you didn't know if it would ever be resolved, and God showed up. Some of you have been so addicted, you didn't know if you were going to be able to make it. And some of you have been addicted for years. And we have begged God, and we have prayed to God, and we have trusted God, and some of you are sitting here clean today in answer to our prayers and your willingness to follow after God. This is amazing. This is absolutely wonderful. Booker T. Washington, a fitting illustration for the weekend. Booker T. Washington told about when his family was in slavery and he was just a little boy. He said, out there on the plantation with the little shanties. There were all kinds of us living. Very early in the morning before the sun would even come up, sometimes at five o'clock in the morning, stinking rooster would start crowing. And the rooster would wake us all up, disturbing our sleep. The rooster became a reminder of everything that was wrong in our life. We were slaves working for someone else. This was terrible, this wasn't what we wanted. He said, we grew to hate that rooster. But he said, what ended up happening was Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And when he signed that, 
something happened on the plantation? What if something would happen in your life since Jesus paid the price on the cross to where drugs wouldn't have to own you, porn wouldn't have to own you, you wouldn't have to be owned by all kinds of addictions that are driving you nuts, drinking and other things that are just tearing you up right now. He said, I woke up and I heard something else happening out in the yard. He said, I got up and I looked out the window and I saw something really funny and weird and wild that day. My mom is out there with an ax in one hand. She's chasing after that rooster as fast as she could go. And finally she caught that rooster and she chopped that head off that rooster. And we picked the feathers off that rooster. And that night we ate our alarm clock for supper. (laughs) Some of you need to eat your alarm clock for supper. Some of you need to say, I've had enough. Enough's enough. I'm not going that way. I've had all these questions and I thought it was cool to have questions, but now the questions have plowed me under. Quit thinking it's cool to have all these stupid questions. You can't figure it always out. Sometimes we don't always have the best answers to give to you. There's not enough scripture verses. There's not enough this, that, and the other in cliches in religion to get you where you think you need to go. But let me tell you what, there is one who died on a hill called Calvary. He was dead, put into the ground, who rose from the dead and lives forevermore. And he lives to give you freedom today. He lives to set you free. And when he sets you free, you're free indeed without condemnation. Can I get a witness in this house? Hallelujah. I've watched him do it and deliver people. One day I went over to a psych ward and there was a lady there. And I said, lady, I'm going to pray for you today. We prayed for her, and the next day she was out of the hospital in her right mind. It's absolutely amazing what God can do. I can't do it. Some of you need me to lay my hands on you right now. (laughs) Get back in your mind, but no, I'm teasing. But it's just amazing what God can do. And to watch how God can work in our lives. And I don't care if this is old school preaching. Jesus Christ still transforms lives. And he still changes us. Don't ever lose that message. Don't ever lose that hope. Don't ever lose that fact. Don't ever lose that faith. He's the one who can do that. Coyotes were howling. Sheep were scared and they got up. They start bleeding hopelessly, it seemed. The dog pierced out into the night, growling. What would a shepherd do? Shepherd got up. Alan said he went over and got some logs. He took them over and he threw them on the fire and the flame began to billow up, light up the sky, pierce the darkness. And he said, I could look out now and I see all kinds of little lights looking back at me everywhere I look. I see these lights looking back over here where we are. And he said, at first, I'm wondering what it is, what it is. And then he said, I began to realize that is the sheep. The sheep are looking at the shepherd. They're looking toward the fire. Jesus Christ is the light. He is our shepherd. And he will get every one of us to where we need to go if we'll keep looking to Jesus. And the scripture says it better than I can. It says this, you may not have all the answers. You may not have all all the things happening that you want to. But it says, fasten your eyes on Jesus. Fasten your eyes on Jesus. Second Chronicle chapter 20 and verse 12 says it this way. 
We are not sure what to do, but our eyes, oh, I love it, our eyes are on you. I don't know what to do about politics right now. I don't know what to do about, about health and COVID right now. I don't know what to do about finances right now. I don't know what to do about this relationship. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, but my eyes are on you, Jesus. And sometimes the answers aren't enough. But there is Jesus. Pam's going to sing about it right now. You have faced the mountains of desperation. You have climbed, you have fought, you have won. But this valley that lies so coldly before you cast a shadow you cannot Just when you thought you had it all together, you knew every verse to get you through. But this time, all the sorrow broke more than just your heart, and reciting all those verses just won't do. When answers aren't enough, there is Jesus. He is more than just an answer to your prayers. And your heart will find a safe and peaceful refuge. When answers aren't enough, He is there. Instead of asking why did it happen, think of where this can lead you from here. And as your pain is slowly easing, you can find a greater reason to spend your life triumphant through the tears. Answers aren't enough. There is Jesus. He is more than just an answer to your prayer. And your heart will find a safe and peaceful refuge. When answers aren't enough, He is there. When answers aren't enough, he, he's there. I'm going to invite you to stand if you would. Many times we open the altar up here, the altar area, and people come and kneel and stand here and we pray. A lot of times if it's your friend that comes forward, you come forward and put your hand on their shoulder and you just pray for them because you know them and maybe you know their burden. You don't want to embarrass them, but you're there to support them. 
But because of COVID, we have not done that because of breathing over each other's shoulder and all of that. So we're just making the entire room an altar, if you will. And we're just asking that all of us, wherever we are right now in the room, that we allow God to minister to us with whatever we represent today. Any burden you have, any problem you have, that you just cast your anxiety on him. If you've had problems looking at him, you've been looking at everything, look at him, look at him. Just look at Jesus. When you trust in him, things begin to happen for you. You may want to bow your head. You may want to close your eyes. Maybe you just want to stare straight ahead. I don't care. Maybe you want to put your hands out like this. I do this often to just let the Lord know I'm receiving. You do it however works for you. I don't care. I'm not taking critique on you. It's your worship. But in my worship, I'm doing it this way. Dear God, thank you so much, Father, for your incredible love that you have extended to each one of us And the way that you have shown up in the 11th hour of our life to do something that we could only credit to you. Lord, we give you thanks for all of those victories that are clouds of witnesses and testimonies of the faith. Right now in this room, we, we just commit our way to you. We commit our situations to you. We don't know what to do. We don't know which way to go. We don't have the answers. We hear the coyotes howl of all kinds of things like health or friendships or relationships, whatever, it's, it's howling. But God, we look to you, our light, our shepherd. Give us strength, give us courage, give us hope. Give us the help we need. Give us the resolve that we will not turn back. But we will continue on in a faith journey all the way to you. Until that day we see you, Jesus. We thank you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for your nearness today, not only with us, but in the living rooms and in the places where people are watching right now. We thank you for it's in your name. Amen.